0: Don't be quick to throw your money into just anybody's deal, you know, go go to one of their properties, meet them in person, in their market, where the property is.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up? Guys, welcome to episode 113 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, we have the great pleasure of chatting with Lee Fjord. Lee has had quite the journey from buying a two family in 2017 to becoming the lead asset manager of Green Forest Capital. They have purchased 577 units so far, with another 100 plus units under contract. Lee, super excited to talk to you, man. Welcome. And let's let's jump in. How are
0: you? <laughs> doing great. Thanks for having me on. I am really excited to uh, get to know you and uh be able to provide some value to your audience. And uh yeah, yeah, I, I love helping as much as I can.
1: <laughs> Thank you, my man. I, I definitely uh definitely feel you there. So um yeah, let's kind of jump in, you know, like how how did you kind of catch the real estate bug and you know, start to kind of get into like the the investing portion and take us back to the back to the origins.
0: Yeah. So 2012, I had a well, actually, just just before that, 2011, uh, during the recession, I had a failed business. I had a retail business that failed. It uh, did. it was it was a, a very successful business that a larger corporation decided didn't need to exist anymore within its greater you know portfolio of small business partners. So they essentially did not renew our contract on the company and realized, okay, I'm not in control of my own destiny, even as a business owner. Uh, as I'm you know didn't realize the small print meant that. A giant publicly traded multinational corporation with uh, franchises could just decide to shut you down uh, by not renewing your contract. So I uh, had to make some big choices, and I was like, "What am I going to do?" Um, and I went and got my real estate license because I thought that I was going to be the you know millionaire real estate agent selling houses and you know driving around in a BMW. Um, so I. I uh, did. I sat open houses for six months, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for somebody to walk in. Needless to say, that never happened. Uh, My my broker came to me and she said, hey, we've got 20 houses under management. The guy who's running them is leaving. Do you want to take them over and go into management? And I said, sure. So (laughs) yeah, that was my first kind of real foray into it. And then uh, built that up to, to over 200 single-family houses and small multis and condos under management in four years. Realized that the guys who were making all of the money were the owners of the property, and uh, got you know started listening to podcasts and getting educated, surrounding myself with people like you, uh, and learning and growing. And then decided to take the plunge and uh, bought my first duplex in 2017, and I. You know there were a lot of mistakes that were made with that project and the ones that followed there but you just get better every single time absolutely
1: man i I love that you know and it's funny too like how often like people kind of have beginnings like that right where like you know they work in um uh you know some of the fields maybe like in insurance or you know in, in other parts that are loosely connected to uh like the the investing space in particular or like you know, people that work at the bank or like you know CPAs or something like that that start to see what real estate investing looks like from a different side of the coin, and like mm-hmm. oh crap, like this guy's doing pretty okay, like he's doing something right, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's really wild stuff, you know. And I I love hearing it, man. It's it's awesome, you know what I mean. And it's just, I mean, even um, there was a guest that I had on uh, a couple weeks ago. His podcast came out. Uh, his name was Ryan Corcoran. And he was going to school to become a um, a physician's assistant, and then like he started to find real estate, and he's like, "Crap! Like you know, I'm getting paid potentially the same amount from acquiring, stabilizing, and dispo in a multi than I would for you know a, a year at my PA job or whatever." And like it was mm-hmm. just that like that paradigm shift of like, "Wow! Like there's a decision that I could make here, you know?" And like like what does this mean? Like there's something else, you know? And it's um it's cool stuff you know and yeah
0: absolutely (laughs) it really is you know once you get the bug um and especially after you've done one or two investments and you start seeing those you know those small chunks of money hit your bank account every single month um it's eye-opening and then you just want to do as many of them as you possibly can um and these days, I try to focus my time and attention on helping others avoid the mistakes that I made in the very beginning stages. Uh, so yep. that's kind of where I'm, you know, focusing my time and attention now is to help others avoid the pitfalls of being a, you know, a landlord. You know, that is yeah. uh, that's not passive. That is not, easy. <laughs> that is not fun. Uh, it is just buying yourself another job. Uh, yes. most people who have a career, you know, uh, and they're not like on the precipice of a choice, you know, like they're established, they have their life figured out. They've got their kids and their wife and their dog and their white pickup fence, And they got bills to pay. We can't just leave it all behind and be like, I'm going to go buy a duplex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, I,
1: I definitely, uh, I definitely feel that man. I, I have a three family, um, closer to central math and just the one property that I have at the moment, but yeah, no, the, the lessons and and experiences and, you know, value of, of time being introduced versus delegation and like, like all these different, like crazy, um, crazy business lessons, like really get introduced. Like you said, even like that first property, second property, like it just, it's, it's different, you know, like, cause Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know what I mean? But it's just, it definitely is, um, not exactly the, the mailbox money that, you know, a lot of people like to talk about. It's a lot
0: more active <laughs> kind of management, you know, depending on how I you, know. how you structure it. But it is what, just like what you said, it's all about how you structure it and how you approach it. You know, yes. you can buy yourself a, another job, a side gig or a, a nighttime or weekend type job, uh, or you can actually be an investor. It's one of yes. two things. You, you can make the conscious choice to do one or the other, or in a lot of cases, I work with people who do both. They have, you know, some of their active investments, and then they've realized that if they incorporate in a passive uh, portion of their overall all-arching investment strategy, it really helps even out the amount of returns and effort and work that it takes in order to create, you know, financial freedom. You know, that's the name of the game. That's what everybody is going towards is this financial freedom thing uh that is quite honestly if you're if you're just going around buying a bunch of duplexes and four families and single family houses you're not free you're just you just bought yourself a job you just have a yes. you just have a different <laughs> job no now you're officially a property manager congratulations <laughs> you're a property yeah. manager who has no clients but yourself like that's it yep. that's all you are you know exactly Which is fine for some uh, but that's not financial freedom. Financial freedom is being able to be in, you know, Switzerland, skiing the, the Swiss Alps and have uh, your quarterly paycheck hit the, you know, hit your bank account. And then at the end of the year, you get a K-1. That's financial yes. freedom. Yeah.
1: Oh, totally. And yeah. it's funny you say that, man, because I've I've started to, you know, kind of jump into that world a lot more, you know, more into like the, uh, or I'm I'm very early to the process of it, but kind of like the the concepts and like the pros behind like alternative investing and like, you know, raising capital for projects and like different things and like the benefits and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's extremely eye opening, man. And like, yeah. even there's a lot of different angles that, you know, have been kind of on my mind and stuff that uh, we could kind of take, you know, but like, even one of the things to keep in mind, too, I mean, is definitely the the time factor. Of like, you know, do you want to be the guy that's, you know, running across town to these five properties and like, you know, trying to get things going and like just being a firefighter, basically, you know, and yeah. and like people do it all the time. You know what I mean? And I, it's like, there's definitely like, you know, pros and cons to everything. But um me personally, like down the road, like I, I don't, you know, want to really be that guy that's self-managing like like 10 plus buildings. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> but um yeah. I mean, and and also on the other side of the coin, right, like, especially with uh, another concept that kind of got brought to my attention in this kind of space is like, say you're looking for, you know, so you have like maybe a a three family or a couple buildings, you're self-managing, like returns are looking pretty good. I mean, and like you're still using, you know, conventional financing or like a DSCR loan or something like that. You know, you're looking for like maybe another couple, like just to keep buying them as time goes on and stuff. Mm -hmm. Great plan, but also one thing that is interesting is like, you know, where the interest rates are right now and like how that plays into like your cash on cash return and like like the supply like it's it's definitely I feel like there's definitely kind of a a paradigm between like, you know, the lack of supply and like just where the interest rates are and like, you know, like, oh, if a deal comes up like a million and a half people are going to look at it, but also like those, you might have to be okay with the smaller cash on cash, you know, because of like just how much the, uh, how much more expensive the debt is versus like a year ago, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, it's, I feel like it just kind of makes the pool a little bit harder. But if you were to, you know, potentially invest and partner up with some other people on, you know, JVs or uh, like buy shares of syndications and stuff like that. I mean, what if you could be able to get like a double-digit return, and you know, have someone else and and their team be able to structure like the the project and run everything, stabilize everything, and um, you know, you get to retain your time plus potentially a, a higher benefit than trying to do it yourself. You know, it's it's something that's that's been going on in my head and very very interesting.
0: That's exactly the thing to focus on, and the one the one key word in what you just said is. Time, yes. Time is the one thing. Once you spend it, you can't get it back, and you can't earn it again, ever yep. again. No matter what, it's gone. That's it. And if you are, I I call him Frank. Frank it owns about twenty to forty apartments or single family houses around town in his own backyard. Uh, Frank is retired or or now financially free. Uh, Frank spends his uh, his days. Going from unit to unit, property to property, uh, driving around in a rusty pickup truck with a weed whacker in the back, knocking uh, on doors, <laughs> collecting rents, showing apartments to tenants, prospective tenants. He is un, uh, pulling leaves out of the gutters. He's weed whacking the sidewalks. He is collecting his rents and sweaty $20 bills every single month from 20% of his tenants. And then his wife. His wife is doing the bookkeeping and the account, the accounting at night, and she's doing it in a very poor manner usually because she's not an accountant. She, but she does her best, right? So Frank spends his nights and his weekends and his daytimes, you know, running around town painting walls and everything to do that to um, be essentially a property manager. Frank is not financially free. Frank cannot go on a two month long vacation to Europe without getting any phone calls or without having his portfolio potentially going to, you know, very high vacancy levels or anything. If the grass grows tall enough, guess what? He's gonna get a call from the city and they're gonna foreclose on his property. And then he's not not gonna collect his rent because he wasn't there to collect those $20 bills in person from, you know, his tenant base. So there's Frank. Frank is not financially free, but Frank probably has about a million dollars worth of equity tied up in his portfolio. You know, if he owns those properties for cash, he probably has a million dollars and this is Frank's version of retirement. And he's re he, he, is a millionaire. He is the millionaire next door. Yeah. But is he financially free? No, he's tied to a small business that is basically just him being a property manager for himself. Now, then there's then there's the person in the middle then there's the person who has a real company who buys large enough scalable assets who comes in and they actually asset manage the project they spend you know time focused on acquiring properties asset managing partnering with other people bringing in their money partnering with professional management companies which by the way Frank can't do cuz Frank will go broke on all of the all of the management expenses that that small time property management company is, you know, earning for replacing Frank. So if Frank tried to replace himself, he'd lose over half of his profits, and now he's not profitable at all. And now he can't, he still can't go to Switzerland, you know, at all. So then there's the middle person, and there's Lee. Lee's in the middle right now. Lee is the asset manager. He has a real company. There's hundreds of doors. I can afford to hire third-party property management companies to run all my deals and do a great job. But I, I am the um, the driver of the bus or the uh, the buggy the buggy driver. You know, picking which horse to whip, yep. determining when to pull the brakes, steering. You know, making sure that the people in the back are safe and happy, and that the Indians behind us can't hit us too hard with the arrows. Right, we're going as fast as we can. Yeah. So then then there's the third phase, the third investor, the third investor. I call him uh, Joe. Joe, he is passive investor. He has, you know, in many cases he used to be frank and he sold his portfolio. You got to sell to scale in many cases. I did the same thing in order to reach my middle ground. But you can skip and move on to the next level. You sell your portfolio, you realize those million dollar worth of equity and you put it into a passive investment still in real estate to be able to take advantage of depreciation, appreciation, you know, ability to scale, the ability to uh, force appreciation on the property, create monthly cash flow that comes in. In many cases, it's, you know, equal to what Frank was already earning. And then, you know, then that, you know, Joe, Joe gets his quarterly distribution of cash flows on time. He relies on a professional, asset management company to be able to run the projects that he's chosen to invest his hard earned money into. He can properly diversify his, uh, his $1 million into multiple projects. So he can put, he can pepper his 50 grand into 20 deals. So then what happens when one of them goes bad? It's okay. Diversification. That's the beauty of it. You know, you put it with one guy and it doesn't do so well you do it with another and it does fantastically well. Some you can also do it with cash flow. Some deals cash flow better and worse than others. Like you put your money into a deal that is focused purely on appreciation in a high growth market like Tampa. Right. Put 50 into that and then you do 50 into a high cash flow market like St. Louis, where we can do, distribute up 10 percent cash on cash returns, but the appreciation might not necessarily always be as, as well. So you can create a diversified portfolio of real estate investments by putting your money in passively with other people in their deals. So it's your choice, you know, depending on where you are, I feel like I've gone on and kind of like a tirade now, but (laughs) don't be frank. If you're still working hard and you want to be a full-time real estate person and be actively involved in the deal and so on and so forth, you know, My suggestion is to be a Lee and Lee isn't just apartments. It can be any asset class type you want, whatever. And I have all, I used to be Frank and I sold most of my properties and I put all of that money into my deals. My objective is to be Joe. I want to be Joe one day. I want to just be purely passive because there's nothing better than when I see my distributions come from my deals or the deals that I've invested in with other people and they just hit every quarter and I'm like oh that was nice you know perfect (laughs) didn't have to go and make sure the rents got collected didn't have to Uh drive around town on a rusty pickup truck didn't have to attend I attended one meeting I attended one meeting for half an hour I read a couple emails like oh great looks like the property's doing good sounds good all right and I got a fat depreciation check against my income to reduce my taxable income it was beautiful a lot of people don't realize you you can you can you can diversify and you can choose to be a little bit of everybody if you want. I still have a little bit of Frank in me. I still have 24 doors that I manage myself. And you know it's that's but I could still just be Frank instead now I'm Lee and I'm a little bit of Joe. So I'm like transitioning from Frank into Lee and then eventually I'm gonna be Joe. But I have a little bit of all of them still and eventually I'm gonna sell all my portfolio that i small stuff and get it all put into Joe. I'm from Frank to Joe. I love the way you (laughs) (laughs) described (laughs) it. No, that's,
1: that's okay. That was phenomenal. Seriously. Like, I I absolutely love the way that you described that, especially with kind of like the different options, because like, I feel like generally speaking, like a lot of people don't know that there's more options to invest in real estate besides just like buying a two family and, and, you know, painting the walls yourself, you know, and it's, it's a game changer, you know? And I mean, exactly. Like there's a story from, um, there's a local operator, uh, up in Wakefield, uh, mass uh, up where I am. And, um, he told a story at an event one time of, he had a buddy that, uh, he, I am pretty sure he played like a ton of poker. I think that's what it was. And like, he, he ended up, you know, in like this tournament and I might be butchering part of the story, but the concept and is still gonna, you know, kind of work out. But, the um, He had this buddy who was playing poker, he played in a tournament, he got like an $800,000 payout or like over a mil or something like that. Mm. And he ended up going to this operator who's been in the game for a very long time, you know, done syndications, done ground up development, like more wholesales flips than you can count. And um, he asked him, he's like, Oh, you know, Tommy, like, how can I, how can I invest some of this money? And, um, he, he told him you know, about like the syndication type of model and like what, you know, forecasted returns looked like and, and the, the years and when the payout, like the, when the distributions would be. And he ended up doing that. So now, you know, the, the cash flow that comes in, you know, whether it's monthly, quarterly, whatever, whatever their deal is on that 800K pays for his lifestyle for like everything else in his life, you know, and he's like living comfortably and literally like just from doing that. And the beauty of it, too, that is becoming more I'm discovering more of, you know, as I keep exactly like having conversations like this or like reading books, listening to podcasts, that type of thing is like, theoretically, it's it's such a win win for everybody, right? Because like his friend is able to like, literally, essentially just get this money in his mailbox every month and like, you know, make a a pretty handsome return on, you know, some of this money that, that he acquired. Um, the operator is also able to, you know, have money to be able to play with and put into deals and, and be able to do more deals and, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a really beautiful thing and it's, it's been a lot of fun to kind of learn about this side of the industry and I'm excited to, to really like keep learning more, you know, cause like that's, that's what I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, you know, the operator is able to do more deals cause he has, you know, more, uh, funding, you know, for that type of thing. And then mm-hmm. the LP has you know basically you know gets a, a pretty decent return doesn't have a, a ton besides like you mentioned you know like like checking in or getting updates like what, whatever that structure looks like yep. um it's you very know,
0: you it, a portal you just log in and you look at how much the how much your distributions were <laughs> yep. is it uh yeah. invest next by any chance I use InvestNext. I just switched nice. over to a company called Cashflow Portal. Um, yep. I've used all of them. I've used uh, Syndication Pro. I've used InvestNext, and now I'm switching to uh, on my next deal. We'll be using Cashflow Portal, and eventually I'll have all three, and then I'll dispose of the other ones and I'll focus only on one. So like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like driving three different cars. So it's, like, it's <laughs> only, only like yeah, yeah. I feel you there, man.
1: I um one of the the operators i've been working with up here he introduced me to InvestNext, and i mm-hmm. like just signed up for it recently more for like the capital raising kind of stuff and it's yeah. it's such a cool platform i like it a lot you know what i mean and like I, I have to like dig a lot more into it you know what i mean but um i mean exactly like just to be able to have a a dashboard for like to come in and check how things are doing and like you know maybe like different projects from different people could be in there and
0: mm-hmm. it's cool stuff
1: Plus it it looks really sharp and I'm
0: sure all of them look, you know, really sharp as well, but yeah, yeah. it's cool stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Advancements of technology in the last let's call it 10 years in the real estate industry has changed the game. It's given anybody the ability to choose to do this 20 years ago. You had to like join a country club and know some guy and it was all behind closed doors and it felt kind of sleazy, but you knew him really well, but he was a little bit alcoholic. You know, like, <laughs> like, you know, like his wife was a li- little too out there, but we we're at the country club and he has this great deal. So I'm going to put some money in with him. These days, yeah. everything is completely different. The advancements of technology ability to be able to do this, like an investor to invest with. You know, whether it be their personal funds or their self-directed IRA, or you know, you can actually borrow against your 401k, you can borrow up to fifty thousand dollars against it. Um, and then deploy that money. So let's say it costs you, I don't know, it's, I think it's something like SOFR, so it's about four percent. So it costs you four percent to borrow the money against it. But if you earn um, our average annual return on a deal really was 20%. So you make the spread on that 50 grand. And you know what, you know, reverting just quickly back to the guy who uh, won the big payday at $800,000 invested it. So one thing to take into consideration, in addition to him having the cash flow to pay for his lifestyle, while that money is inside of that investment, it is continuing to appreciate the properties paying down its principal balance on his mortgage. It is Uh, You know, they are improving the efficiency of the property, ideally. And eventually there's going to be an exit there. And when they exit, his money will drastically increase. It will, you know, through the proceeds of the sale of the property. So not only is he getting, I don't know if it's nine, if it's 800,000, Times, uh, I mean, we do an eight percent preferred return. That's our our preferred return on every single one of the deals that I've ever done. So yep. times point oh eight, he's earning sixty four thousand dollars a year pre tax. And by the way, let's uh, let's also talk about depreciation, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, that really helps consult your, your tax accountant, but it really would decrease the amount of taxable income on that 64 grand. So he's making 64 grand a year off of it. When in addition to that, uh, our business model uh, involves essentially uh, increasing your capital uh, on appreciation only, just appreciation. You take the cash, you spend it on Lambos and trips with your wife and live off of it and all the things. <laughs> Well, after that, there's an additional something along the lines of 8% annually that that property uh, increases in value. Your assets increase in value about 8% on top of that. So that essentially is about a 60% increase over a five-year hold period. So if you take 800,000 and you multiply it by uh, 0.1% or delete, 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 1.6 now it turns it into 1.28 million in five years. So he's lived off of that 64 grand, right? Yep. You sell the property. Let's call him Ed. Ed now has 1.28 million to invest into the next deal. Now, how much does Ed make off of that every year? So that times 0. 0.08. Now he's making $102,000 a year. This is from year five to year 10. Yep. Okay, so $102,000 per year. So now his one, uh, two turns into times 1.6. Five years later, he's had his money invested for 10 years. How much is it worth? 1.9 million. It's crazy. (laughs) Now, how much cash flow is he making from year ten to year fifteen? Like you can keep doing the math, but you know now he's making every year on that money hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars. He's got one point nine million in equity. He's more than doubled his eight hundred thousand over ten years, more than doubled, and he's been living off the money. Just for think about that, he's been still living off of the cash flows, off of the the, the money that's distributed.
1: It's mind blowing. It's not. It's insane.
0: <laughs> you know that one nine? Oh man, we just have to go one more time. We got it just for fun. You've had the investment not? Not for yet. 15 years. How much do you think it's worth now? Ooh. I'm not sure. 3 million. <laughs> so 15 years from now, you you know, you can take this number and you can remove a zero and start with 80 grand yep 80 grand turns into 300 just remove a zero yeah i know a lot of people who have 80 grand or 50 yep. our minimum is 50 on our deals Yeah, so it's just the velocity of the capital and every time you hit the reset button and you sell the deal which a lot of people are like lifetime hole pay it off equity you know just keep it forever well when you recycle your money into the next into another project, you get a higher amount of you know cash flow on the money that you've deployed into the deal. Uh, your appreciation escalates as well, and it's just like a ticking, growing you know uh, snowball. It's a snowball that just continues to build upon itself, and you're still, by the way, living off the cash flows still. So exactly, you know that is the difference between being Frank and being Joe. Do you want to be Frank, who owns 40, 40 houses, cash-free, you know, debt-free, and he's financially free, and his wife's doing the books, and he's driving around town in a rusty pickup truck with a weed whacker in the back, and he's painting walls, and he's collecting rents and sweaty $20 bills that smell like cigarettes? <laughs> or do you want to be Joe? You could be either one. 15 yep. years from now, I bet you those houses aren't worth three times as much as what you bought them for 15 years from now. Just, just saying <laughs> you know, so that's my that's what I try to do I try to educate people now on on the difference of being Frank and being Joe and yeah. then I also educate them on, on who, who I am who's lead what do I do how, what value do I provide? How do I make sure that Frank when he becomes Joe doesn't become broke again or destitute or whatever you know yeah. make sure that the investment is successful. Provide the highest level possible returns. I am better at my business than Frank. I can tell you that. I guarantee you I'm better than Frank at his business. I could take over Frank's 40 unit portfolio and run it twice as well as he would. I'd fire his wife doing the books. Be done. <laughs> That's it. Becky, yep. get in the back. You're not doing this anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm, calling, I'm calling, you know, able and able yeah. an and he's going to be doing the books from now on and we're going to bring in software systems and we're going to automate things and we're going to you know hire a professional maintenance company to be able to do the maintenance because that's the you know the one thing that nobody should be doing if they are a millionaire is fixing toilets yep that's i know because awesome. i do it i used to do it <laughs> I, I do it as little as i can and i have a very efficient management process for our you know smaller portfolio but yeah it's that's the difference. So don't be frank. If you don't want to do it full-time as your full-time job and you aren't as skilled and don't have, you know, a decade of experience in the industry, probably don't be Lee, be Joe. Even if yep. you only got 80 grand, 80 grand turning into 300 in 15 years. Yep. So. It's nuts. Yeah. I mean, even you,
1: man, I, I got um, a little bit of experience with, uh, investing on the passive side recently, like while, you know, kind of getting into this stuff as well. I, um, so I, I bought my three family in uh, December of 2021 and through like, you know, just like yes. value add and appreciation and stuff like that. It appreciated a pretty fair amount. And I was able to take a home equity line out of it, given nice. the interest rate was a bit higher on it than I, you know, was expecting, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I was able to take, like well over five figures for that and and be able to experience you know like the the lp like more passive side of the industry you know Mm -hmm. while learning uh like this kind of side at the same time you know what i mean it just it's incredibly interesting and and to a point that you made earlier um i mean there's a lot of different ways to be able to like just find this money right i mean especially like with just the the general overall appreciation in, in the markets over the past couple of years, you know, like, like 2020, 2021, especially like people were, were paying stupid amounts over asking, you know, like, like crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I, mean, I was able to pull that out of my property in in 13 months, you know, it still kind of shocks me that like, I don't know, like the how equity works and like, I'm like, like this stuff's cool. But right. like my point being is like, you know, like my parents' house have had their house uh, for well over 20 years. You know, I, there's a, I know that there's, you know, a pretty widespread in there. And like, I mean, even like the perspective in my mind has changed a little bit, even like, like looking down the street that I grew up on. Right. I'm like, Oh, these neighbors have been here since I was growing up. You know what I mean? Like, just think about like all the equity and like, you know, who knows, like maybe they're looking for something that's a little bit different. They want to grow this money, but they don't have time. Like maybe they're, you know, get about to go into retirement or, you know, they don't want to like, Maybe like the properties are getting a lot for them, like uh, like work wise, like you know people are getting older, yada yada yeah. yada. But I mean, even also like you mentioned, man, was like you know 401k. Like I, I'm already looking at my 401k equivalent from work, thinking like, man, like how do I draw from this thing?
0: You know, like yep. <laughs> you don't arm- have to draw. You don't have to draw. You don't have to yeah. realize the penalty. You don't have to sell anything. You can yep. borrow up to fifty thousand dollars against it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, you know, and yeah. it's it's crazy stuff. Like, there's just there's so many ways to be able to do it. You know, like you don't necessarily have to have you know fifty, hundred k in cash in your bank account. It could be literally in the thing that like we're sitting inside right now. You know, and yeah. like who knows, maybe like you know the rates are more favorable. Maybe like a cash out refinance is something that could be in your future. You know, get get a payout from that. Maybe taking a home equity line, and you know, maybe the spread's still reasonable for. You know investing passively and making a, a pretty reasonable return like that versus beating the spread on you know the expense for for using that money um you know maybe like i i don't know like there's just there's so many different ways to skin the cat and it's it's a really really beautiful thing you know and it's i feel like just a lot of people don't know you know and it's cool
0: you got your walking shoes on and ready to go knock doors up and down that street <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know. ah, you probably have a lot of equity in your home. <laughs> to into a monthly paycheck that comes in, and you don't have to do any work. <laughs> they slap the in your think that you're some sleazy salesman trying to sell them, <laughs> I don't know, sell them knives or something,
1: <laughs> a Cutco knives or something.
0: Hi! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you realize you probably have six figures of equity tied in your home right now? You can turn that into cash money in your pocket every month. Exactly. You it's know, like.
1: I mean even for um cuz I've been listening to podcasts up and down man you know like just trying to like really focus uh what I'm absorbing like to niche down into to this kind of stuff right and mm-hmm. even like from the angle of um one of the things that uh there's a podcast I've been loving it's um I think it's called the Raisin Private Capital show it's on like Apple podcast stuff like that um this guy named Yakov Smart and I've been absolutely gobbling it up right and like one of the things that he was mentioning too was even from like a a different looking at like these kind of investments from a different angle right like say you have like you know a bunch of buildings and stuff like that like to invest passively um you know from a uh i'm trying to remember the word or the phrase rather basically more of like a protection standpoint like to um you know like just like basically put this money somewhere and like you know have it growing and stuff like that And like, I mean, obviously, like, you know, wanting to to make a solid return on it and stuff like that, but more to like actually protect your principal rather than, you know, trying to make like the biggest return out there, you know, like depending on the side of the coin that you're looking at. Um, And it it was really eye opening. You know what I
0: mean? Like um, your risk adjusted rate of return and being able not having control, true daily control of your money is usually a good thing because fear and emotional decisions will affect how you choose to manipulate your investments in your portfolio. And next thing you know, the you know, where somebody's doing this, and it's all over the news, and you're like, sell everything, and you sell at the bottom. <laughs> you know, tie, you know, if you, but if you have it in tied into a an F you know a real asset, a fixed you know actual real asset that you yep. don't necessarily have control over is probably a good thing, especially if you're okay with, you know, most people they'll go and they'll just spend it. You know, they'll, people who win the lottery, they're broke five years later. You know, if you put, if you put it all into a syndication or a deal, you know, or multiple syndications and, and you don't touch your principal ever, that principal continues to grow while you're collecting your distributions and you can live off of that money without having to go and be like, you know what I really want is I want a yacht. I got $2 million <laughs> in equity I'm f- or a million dollars. I'm Frank. I want a yacht. And then next thing you know, you're broke and you're back to painting houses again. Yeah, exactly.
1: I do want to ask you, Lee, cause I, I've been curious. So what are some tips for the audience for, you know, discovering, um like operators and like mm-hmm. I, I guess kind of like vetting deals and stuff like that like you know yep. they like you said like you know they know maybe somebody in their network that um is doing these kind of deals regularly and they're like you know maybe wanting to learn a little bit more yep. um i guess where can people usually go like you know i know social media is a, a huge freaking tool right right now sure. and you know for the past x amount of years but yeah um Yeah. I mean, like, how can people go about like learning more about this type of investing, like, you know, kind of vetting operators, vetting deals, like seeing if it's a good fit type of
0: thing. Um, Yeah, I would say it's a a happy medium between, you know, someone, you know, uh, and trust and also someone who is a reliable and a person who has a successful track record as well. So who do you trust and know and love the most your family or your best friend or your neighbor? Don't do business with them that that you trust them. They trust you too much and it could end up impacting your personal relationship with them. And my suggestion would be like if your best friend is a house flipper, and he's asking or you're thinking about giving him a hundred grand of your money to go and deploy it into his house flipping business. Don't do it. No, you yeah. will. I mean, regardless of even even if it's a trusted person, you know, he he's good for the money and all the things. There's a good chance that your relationship will be negatively impacted at some point during, during that time frame. Uh, so, gotcha. you know, but also not a perfect stranger either. Not somebody you haven't done the research into. Not somebody that you can't, you know, do uh, have a call with. Just like throwing it in with whoever's, you know, paying the most for Facebook ads. You know, like not yeah. that guy, not the guy where you're going to be just a number on a spreadsheet where you're like, yeah, that's just some guy. I've never met him. I don't even know. Like my bookkeeper makes sure the depreciated distributions go out. You know, like I wouldn't, they don't know my number. If they called me, I would ignore their call. I'm too fancy and I'm too big, riding around on my plane. You know, no. <laughs> Don't put your money in with that guy either. Yeah. There's a good chance that he doesn't care about you. He doesn't know who you are. He doesn't treat like, you know, all of that. So there's that kind of middle ground. So you asked me for a suggestion of how to do it. Uh, that's what I, I didn't go that direction. I would say go to one of the big publicly marketed conferences with the objection the objective of meeting a, you know, three to five syndicators or investors sitting down with them in person or meeting them in like a networking room or whatever and be like, hi, uh, my name is Frank. I got a million dollars. I just sold my portfolio. I'm looking to invest it passively with multiple syndicators and multiple deals and multiple geographic locations around the country. Tell me about yourself. Nice to meet you. Shake your hand. How are you doing? You're a real human. You're not, you know, an AI bot. You know, (laughs) so you know, that is that would be my suggestion is there are dozens of conferences every single year. Don't do it. A real estate investment group. I mean, most of those are so sleazy and most of those people are only out for themselves. Some wholesaler who needs hard money closing. It's just so sleazy. Like, you're taking advantage of a little old lady sitting at their dining room table, man. I'm not going to give you my money. You're just going to run out and go buy a Lambo with it. So, like, it's the happy medium, the person who has had some sort of success, and then bet them. And don't be quick to throw your money into just anybody's deal. You know, Go, go to one of their properties, meet them in person in their market where the property is. If they're saying, no, I'm not willing to meet you. You're like, if you, the investor, are willing to fly to St. Louis and, you know, spend the night and come to St. Louis, I will sit down and I will have an hour and a half long coffee with you. I will take you to one of my properties. I will show you the good and the bad and the ugly about about that property. There are ugly things about every property, you know. definitely. (laughs) Like, what's that? Oh, that's the, you know, the... um, the neighbor that is a storage facility that runs a flea market out of it. Like we have a property like that and it's a very, very great property, but they're like, what is that ugly thing right next door? And it's like, oh, that's the flea market. You yeah, know? <laughs> it is what it well, is. Yeah. yeah, no, it's real estate, it's investment. Like I don't, it's, but it's also, um, so that is what you should hopefully look for is someone who's willing to give you the time before you give them their money, you know? Gotcha. Like, like they're going to qualify you too. They're, they're probably going to want to know, like, if you're real, if you actually have any money at all and you don't waste everybody's time because time is the one thing you can't ever get back. So go to a conference, find multiple people that have a track record of success, research them, ask them questions, meet them in person, ideally also at one of their assets that they've already owned for a little while to make sure they actually have done it before and then come in slow. Put in 50, the minimum, and test them out. Make sure their communication with their investors is uh, is up to par. Too many yep. people in this industry uh, collect money from investors, and then they aren't as communicative as you would want them to be, um, you know, or whatever the case may be. Um, and... You know, you're going to have good syndicators and bad syndicators, people that care about you, people who don't care about you, people who invest in the market that you want to be in and people who invest in places that you should be investing in. Um, So, but yeah, take some time, find a conference or two, go to the conferences, set a goal, meet five in syndicators, follow up with them, pick the two you like the most, go visit them in their market, meet their family and their wives, you know, and see one of the properties that they put through the cycle on. And um, and then ask for access to their investor portal, ask for the most recent, um, you know, distributions of communication that they've sent out to their investors prior. Um, you know, ask them for even referrals to other other investors that they've had before. Yep. Don't put your money in for, you know, a deal with this first time. If this yeah. is somebody's first <laughs> time, like, I better really like you. And thankfully, I had those those partners and investors who really did like me and invested with uh, with me uh, years ago. And I used that to build up. So that's. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Conferences, meet people, know them in person. Don't be a number and don't don't invest with your friends or family and don't do it at a real estate investor meetup group. (laughs) no No, that's that's awesome advice man
1: 100% like like that's like golden you know what I mean and yeah no that's um that's awesome and it's funny you say that about the conferences too I've seen um there is one uh I've seen a couple actually like just on you know social media and stuff like that that I'll probably look more into there was the uh Rod Khalif I think has got a multifamily one
0: Yep. I believe. Yep. I'll be there. Um, I'll be at that guys. conference in, uh, I think it's in July. Yeah. They Rod does usually two a year. Um, gotcha. I go to them. Um, I'm actually one of the Rod Khleif coaches. I'm a part of his pro education program have been for many years. It's funny you mentioned Rod, but, um, <laughs> yeah, like you go to one of his events and you will find guys like myself who have a track record of success. You get to meet them in person. Um, Another good one is the Jake and Gino event. Uh, Jake and Gino does multifamily mastery. I think it's once or twice a year. Um, I'm also part of their group as well, and it's a great education platform group. Um, And you don't necessarily need to go with the thought of like, I'm going to join a group and become an active investor, You know, syndicator. It's I'm going to go to that event to go meet you know, potential syndicators where I can deploy my money into. And there's yeah. at every one of those events, there's other people there just like you, them that are doing that. So, um, awesome. yeah, yeah, there's, that's what I would suggest. Rod, I was go like you went there, I didn't, but uh, Rod cleef conferences go to, the, it's worth the ticket price all day long, 100%. And the same thing for the Jake and Gina and then uh, multi-family mastery conferences.
1: That's awesome, man. I'm definitely going to have to uh, have to dig more into
0: those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're worth it. You should absolutely. If you can, that'd be great. Yeah. I'd love to meet you when you're there. Absolutely. <laughs> so
1: Lee, I do have one question for you that I like to ask everybody. And that is, how do you define wealth?
0: Freedom, uh, time and and geographical location, freedom, that is my objective. I want to eventually be Joe. I want to be able to live anywhere in the world for long periods of time um, and still maintain my, you know, healthy lifestyle uh, and, you know, that, you know, mindset and but, but also income, you know, um, so time not having to be in a glass uh, cage uh and also not having to be chained to a particular geographic location so i want to be able to travel with my friends and my family and enjoy the world the world's a very small and beautiful place and if you've never you know that's my objective is to be able to go and uh, be uh i don't know uh skydiving in, in, you know, Switzerland while, and then open up my phone and look and be like, Oh, I've got my distribution this quarter. Yay.
1: <laughs> I love it, man. Absolutely. I, I love that so much. <laughs> oh, sweet. I, I do one more question for you, actually. Yeah. Um, the question is, do you read and what is your favorite business investing or real estate book that you would recommend to anyone? It could be like a podcast or like anything yeah. you can see. And like, you know, <laughs> I do read uh, my favorite book is
0: this book. I have it right here. Think and Grow Rich. I reread yeah. it multiple, at least once or twice a year. Um, I'm currently reading. It's not sitting here on my desk. I have another one right here. This is another book that I usually read a couple times a year, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And then I have um, right now I'm reading. Own Your Mind, I think is what it's called. It's another Napoleon Hill book. Um, I mean, it's a fantastic uh, There's a series of books that they released recently from Napoleon Hill. I highly recommend it. And then, um, you know, from a uh, podcast uh, aspect, I definitely recommend the Lifetime Cash flow through Real Estate Investing podcast with Rod Cleef. Uh, the, uh, Wheelbarrow Profits podcast, or I think it's just called the Jake and Gino show now. Uh, so, you know, those are amazing. I generally try to focus on industry specific podcasts. So I'm not, I used to listen to bigger pockets, but it's too broad. You know, I'll go through it. I'll pick like episodes that are more catered to me. And like, I don't care about wholesaling. I don't care about flipping. I don't care about mobile home parks. I don't care about, you know, whatever I want to. Yeah you know, be learning about apartments. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- uh, my would highly recommend Own Your Mind. I think that's what it's called, I don't have it here, but yeah, it's all that. And um, yeah, the Rod Cleve podcast as well. Um, and then, yeah, just and then there's other ones, but we don't have enough time for me to just keep wrapping <laughs> up the podcast that I listen to. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you there, man no, those sound absolutely
1: amazing. I, I have read, um, the little purple book and, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. couple of the other ones there. Uh, I'm going to have to check out the, um, the own your mind one though. That sounds awesome. And yeah. I, I feel you on, the, um, like the bigger pockets podcast. Like I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. And I, I used to listen to it literally every single freaking morning. Right. But I, um, I mean, especially recently, like, for myself, I, I definitely am trying to kind of niche down to the thing that I'm like just focusing on, you know, and just try and like go heavy in that. Um yep. and then, you know, definitely love like the mindset stuff and like personal development books and that type of thing. But yeah, no, I, I totally feel you there. You know, like it doesn't really give me too too much value, you know, to be learning about like R V parks and wholesaling, like that's that's not really like my thing right now. <laughs> you know, like yeah,
0: yeah. And for those who are boom, you know, like dive in deep, yeah. get deep, get specialized, be very, very good at, you know, whatever the uh, RV parks is a new hot asset class that everybody's really liking right now. It's probably because they're actually able to finance them. Um, if you think about the expansion of some of these asset classes and why they have grown so much recently, it usually has something to do with the availability of, of capital, specifically debt. So like mobile home parks used to be uh, that you could only buy them with like 50% down. Like there were, wow. they, and they would only value them based on the land costs because they figured that the trailers were all worthless. Well, then the, the banking standards changed for mobile home parks, and now they essentially lumped them in with multifamily, which is, you know, on a regional bank level, you can borrow at 80% leverage against a, against a you know, a apartment complex that's stabilized. So they changed it from, you know, 50, 60% leverage to 80 or 70% leverage, and just that made all the difference in the world. And therefore, he who bought a mobile home park back in the 90s at a, 18 cap could now probably sell it at a 7 cap today no questions asked just because of the type of debt that you can put on the property so and the that's same thing awesome. with storage storage you can put fully amortizing 30 year note SBA loans on storage it's a beautiful thing beautiful. wow
1: so that's interesting yeah. that that's incredibly interesting like like how that you know shift has
0: kind of happened and like wow that's cool stuff Yeah. Yeah. Finding those little things and just be like, oh, that's why. That's why. "Uh Now it makes sense. I see it Um, now. Yeah, I get it now. (laughs) And the same thing with, with like portfolios of single family houses while the hedge funds are running around buying up houses is because they can package them all together and put on a piece of debt that's equal to what you could buy an apartment complex for. Now, that doesn't solve the issue of inefficiencies of having a scattered site portfolio and having... The maintenance guy roaming around town like going from house to 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 house and none of the, none of the things being the same doesn't solve that problem which is a very big problem the reason why I don't do houses it's because the efficiencies of multifamily are so much greater you know every every kitchen is the same every bathroom is the same Every square footage of all the flooring is the same. Every doorknob, there's exactly 12 doorknobs in every two bedroom, two bath apartment. So every time we go to turn an apartment and we know when the tenant's moving out, they're moving out on Monday. Guess what, on Friday, I need to make sure that on hand in stock at my office is 12 doorknobs. Brand new, ready to go into that apartment. So therefore we can turn the apartment and our average turn is uh, about a week. So in order to get from from tenant move out, to move in ready unit one week. That's if it takes longer than that, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> you know something? It's funny you say that too.
1: So one of my buddies used to work for um, work for a REIT, doing like construction management and, and stuff like that. And he was telling me at an event one day, man, about like the turnaround, like they were only allowed five days. And it yeah. blew my mind right from five going days. like, you know, it took me like six months to turn over one of my units in Lemonster, you know, I'm like, like, let's talk about that. Like, how does that work? And he was telling me just like the, the overall system on, you know, like the, the commercial multifamily type of level of like, you know, uh, like knowing when the tenants moving out, like maybe, you know, like sending a a crew in there or something before to like, you know, take an inventory of like what needs to get done and like just doing everything in advance. So yep. exactly like you said, like, or, you know, maybe like pre-qualifying, like, like tenants or like a wait list or like whatever yep. that kind of looks like, um, yep. to really just have like such a small, a small window where that thing's vacant, you know? And it just completely blew my mind. I'm like, like, what are aspects of that, that are able to be applied in the residential multifamily world on a lot smaller of a scale, yeah. you know? And like, it just, it got Not me that. thinking, like, I love the conversation,
0: you know, yeah. <laughs> it's not applicable to residential single family house uh, portfolios. It just doesn't work because this house might have 14 doorknobs or a specialty thing, you know, the, whatever, like any, the, you know, you have to replace the disposal because it's leaking, but you don't do it until after the tenant is moved out because they're only moving out in a couple of days. That disposal is probably any plumbing issue we take care of ahead of time. There's other things like the fan, like we're going to replace the fan in the bedroom cause it's old. Well, you know what happens when we are, when they're out of stock of the fans that you buy at Home Depot and you're trying to turn it, guess what? You just buy whatever fan they got on the shelf. So now what happens? Now you got 50 fans that are all different and they all look different and you can't take like the pieces off of one and put it onto the other. You got a million different things that none of them match and they're all mismatched and you're having to replace it with a new one every time. And it just is not efficient in any way. We, uh, at a property that we bought, oh, a little over 12 months ago, it's 18, uh, we bought in December of 21. Uh, we, in the first years of value-add business plan, we uh, had, of the 272 units, we turned over tenants, like remodeled a unit or whatever, made it ready and got another tenant moved in, of, a, of 110 of those apartments, of wow. 272, 40% of the property we turned over in 12 months. Damn. Guess what our, our vacancy rate was on average for those 12 months? What's that? 5%. Wow, we turned forty percent of the units in a year, and we were five percent vacant, physically vacant, for the entire year. That's incredible. There's you couldn't do that with houses or any other. (laughs) other, No, no, no. But why? Because we knew usually a minimum thirty days required, thirty days notice if a tenant's going to move out. So then we could prepare. We could schedule our subs. We could order materials. So they're all on hand, ready to go. Boom. They go in there. They knock out the unit during five days. And guess what? That manager knew when that unit would be move in ready. So he would be pre-leasing the unit for move in 10 days after the current tenant moves out. You know, give a little bit of extra leeway. Right. So yep. 10 days worth of vacancy in a 12 month year, or you know, it just ends up making your vacancy rates so much lower across you know the entire portfolio uh when you have that kind of scale and you have a couple hundred ores um as opposed to ten. If you have ten units, you have you know two of them are empty, you're you're eighty percent occupied and guess what? You're not financeable. Yeah. You can't put an agency debt on a deal that's 80% average occupancy, so you better make sure that you never move anybody up out of their place ever, which means you have a very uh, unlikely or a hard time uh, truly increasing the value of your asset because you can't turn units because you're just like, oh, no, just renew them. Like, we can't afford to have it be vacant. So, yeah. anyways, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, It's
1: cool stuff, man. I, I love having that conversation, you know what I mean? Because it just, it, it blew my mind, you know, like what uh, turnover looks like on a completely different scale, you know? And like, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Game changer. But cool, Lee, this, this was absolutely phenomenal, man. Oh my goodness. Where on um like social media and stuff can you be found? I'll, I'll drop anything you want down below. <laughs> yeah, so
0: um, the best place to find me is, uh, well, Facebook. I also, you know, so it's Lee, dot Fjord, F-J-O-R-D. There aren't very many of them. If you literally just type in Lee Fjord, you're not going to, there'll be one. (laughs) Um, And then my website is greenforestcapital.com. You can go to the website and click the schedule a call with Lee button right there on the website. And I'd be happy to jump on a Zoom call with anybody who is interested in learning more about passively investing in real estate, uh, real estate syndications, um you know and then you know i have a linkedin page but that's kind of uh that's not my my primary way of finding people you know you can't just like find my phone number there but go to the website schedule a call i would love to introduce you to some of the opportunities we come have coming available in the near future we're investing uh, we're currently actively owners of properties in missouri and arkansas I'm actively attacking Northwest Arkansas with a vengeance. I love the fact that like Walmart is expanding there, and and Tyson is expanding there, and then we also look at properties in Kansas, Oklahoma, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and Indiana. Uh, so we look on a basically the Sun Belt and uh, peppered in the Midwest. So, would you know where you have? lots of opportunities coming our way and a great team that has a track record of success. And whether you combine myself and my partners, we have a couple hundred, 200 and something million dollars assets under management. I just happen to only control our, uh, the Missouri and Arkansas portfolio that makes up about 40 million. And we're gonna be growing uh, to over a hundred million by the end of the year. That's beautiful, man,
1: extremely impressive. Guys, definitely go check out Lee. Go reach out to him. And yeah, thank you so much, man. Thanks, <laughs> this was amazing. Appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: All right, guys. That concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully, you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.